Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, my friends. Boy, I love that music. I enjoy listening to that every Sunday morning without fail. And that's how we start off our show. The opening music was by Save Vocabu from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order a copy, contact Save, S-A-V, as in Victor, A-E, dot org. And they're also on Facebook. They do live shows, and you can listen to them on YouTube. And they also have a CD available on Amazon. 
I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sharma McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenets that Sunday is a special day to set some time aside for just spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I just happen to be a Christian in recovery, and all the Bible readings are based out of my Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we'll have ongoing Bible readings and a little bit of discussion about our spiritual experiences. We're just focused on being our real selves and carrying the message uh, given to us. And the call number this morning for any special requests or prayers is 619-924-9744. Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now let's bow our heads together for opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'd like to pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. Those lives who were taken for distorted and evil reasons, we believe they have become martyrs. And now they pray for us. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body, for their recovery, for their wholeness, that they may find love in their hearts. We pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for all those suffering from domestic violence here in their own homes. And we also pray for freedom from addiction of every kind. Please, God, send your archangel Mike to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, that they may have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering for all over the world. We want to thank you, God, for everything, everything that you've forgiven us, everything you do for us, and especially for your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. We keep everyone and their families in our prayers. God bless everybody. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, happy birthday to everybody that's having a birthday today. Happy birthday, Pete. And we wish you, uh, you and if there's an anniversary, we wish everybody a blessed birthday and anniversary and a very prosperous year ahead. If you want to give anybody a shout-out for their birthday or any special announcements, just let me know ahead of time before we go on the air, and I'll be happy to say it for you. Okay, so uh, as we said, please call in if you have any special prayer requests or positive intention. Our phone number is 619-924-9744. And also two good resources, www.biblegateway.com and also www.biblia.com. That's the one I use if I don't have a Bible or it's not with me. I go to www.biblia.com. That's your good resource for a Bible online. So as we know, we are actually at the chapter 6, and uh, we're going to start reading that in a minute after we read Second Corinthians chapter 5 summary. And that will go as hence forth. 
And this summary is thanks to Schmoop.com. The Schmoop is really good. They have a, a bunch of scholars over there that really have broken everything down. There's also a lot of help. www.shmoop.com. Okay, this title is Picture Tent. Here's a nice thought. If the tent we live in was suddenly destroyed, like a flash flood, we would have been a nice home with God. In heaven, there's no mortgage or rent either. Right now, we're all sitting here on earth just waiting to go to our homes in heaven. The neighborhood is way nicer there, of course. Oh, earth, we're we're just way over here away from God. But that doesn't mean that we should keep doing everything we can to make him happy because we do. We live our lives for God and our Heavenly Father. In fact, it probably means that we should be more focused on making God happier. After all, he's going to judge the heck out of us when we're done with our time here on earth. Gulp. No worries, if you're Christian, that is. Believers know God and try to pass the good news on about him to others. He loves that stuff, and so it's going to work out pretty well for these guys and all of us that we're trying to bring the word. And then it says, you best reconcile. Okay, again, Paul isn't trying to brag here. He just wants to give the Corinthians some ammunition to use against his detractors, those so-called apostles that have been hanging around Corinth. Anyway, these guys put a lot of stock in public displays of religiosity. They're obsessed with looking holy, and that's what Paul thinks. They just look holy. But Paul knows the real authority doesn't come from how religious you look, but from your devotion to God's people. Hint, hint. Corinthians, take a hint. He's talking about you guys. After all, Jesus died so that all of us could live. Now, we don't live for ourselves anymore, but we do live for Jesus. So if you're truly a believer in Christ, your old self is dead. You're the new person. You don't see things in the regular old human way anymore, meaning it doesn't do any good to look for status symbols when picking your apostles. Okay, guys? All this stuff is directly from God. Paul urges everybody to be reconciled to God. Basically, that means that people need to work on making things right between themselves and the big guy. This is obviously what God wants from us. After all, God could have kept a big old scorecard of our sins, but he threw it away and sent Christ instead. Thank God. God's cool like that. Anyway, that was <laughs> that was a big lesson about last week. So let's go ahead and get your Bibles ready, and we're going to do this week. So we're all the way up to Second Corinthians chapter 6, so return to your Bible. And the only reason why I use the Ryrie Study Bible, which turns out to be an excellent Bible, but it's because I found my Bible, as somebody threw it away in the trash can, my original Ryrie Study Bible, and I went walking past, and I picked it up, and I've been reading it ever since. So thank you, whoever threw away their Bible. Not that you should have done that, but it turned out to be good for me. So anyway... We're reading chapter 6, The Conduct of the Ministry, chapter 6, Second Corinthians, chapter 6. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no cause for offense in anything. So that ministry will not be discredited, but in everything, commanding ourselves as servants of God. 
in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonment, in tumults, in labor, in sleeplessness and in hunger, in purity and knowledge, in patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in gratitude, love, in genuine love. In the word of the truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of the righteousness, for the right hand and the left, for glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold, we live, as, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having not nothing yet possessing all things. Now the next one's the Apostles' exhortations to the Corinthians. Be open toward him. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart has opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in the like exchange, I speak to you as children, freedom from evil. Now we're at 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or fellowship in the light with the darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Bethlehem? Or what has a believer in common with the unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the mist and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I welcome you, and I, have, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And that was the end of that. It was short, powerful. So let's read the notes here. I'm going to go back. Okay, the notes of 6-2 are, the quotation is from the uh, version of Isaiah 49-8. Paul's emphasis is the, is the now as the day of grace, not to be spurned for the message of false for teachers. And the theme of the apostle ministry, first introduced in 2-14, here is recapitulated. And that for more of Paul's hardships, and then God-given qualities of character are proof of Paul's integrity. And now he's talking about the deceivers. Paul is hardly a deceiver, but apparently he has been called one by his enemies. And Paul says he fights this way through the slanders and faithfully carries on for Christ. And then his opponents said Paul are an insignificant teacher or a nobody. And even though Paul experienced many hardships, he is always rejoicing. Even though he has as poor in material things, he made many rich by his, his ministry. And then his speech is frank, and our hearts are ready to take you in. Because of the Corinthians' refusal to reprecificate love was making them miserable, Paul pleads with them to open their hearts to him. And then we're going to go on. We're still reading the notes. And then uh, 6.14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Primarily, this relates to the separation of the false teachers troubling the church. 
so it may apply to other alliances like marriage and business. And Belial was actually Satan. Then 617, personal separation involves not being unequally yoked, not loving the world, though using it, not having fellowship with sinning brethren, and on the positive side, exhibiting Christ-likeness. And that will take us into our next chapter, chapter 7, next week. I know these things uh, appear to be so hard to do because most of us know, and we are sinners, all of us, you know, and uh, that's why we have to keep reading and reminding each other and helping each other through, you know, the snares and uh, the way to trip and fall. It's all along the way, so we just got to help each other and do the best for all good. Anyway, so I've actually taken out our trusty guideposts, our best love stories, as you love reading this every morning on Sunday. So this one is by Bert Columbus, C-L-O-M-P-U-S, Douglasville, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Bert. And let's pray for Bert, too. So we should start praying for all these writers. Okay. So I was about five when I first realized that Bubba, Yiddish for grandmother, was not on good terms with mom. Whenever dad drove us to Harrisburg, PA, to visit his mother, it was always the same story. If Bubba spoke to mom at all, her words were clipped and cold. Then on one visit, mom and Bubba were washing the dinner dishes when a teacup slipped out of mom's hand and shattered on the floor. A look of disdain clouded Bubba's broad face. Molly, she grumbled, you never were good enough for my son. I was shocked. How could Bubba talk like that? My eyes welled up with tears as I watched Mom bite her lip and look to Dad. His red face, he was red-faced and wordless, but my grandfather's eyes blazed at Bubba. You apologize to Mom, my grandfather demanded. Bubba, a large woman who adored to my short, wiry grandfather, merely folded her arms and pursed her lips stubbornly. Our visit ended abruptly, but not before my grandfather steered me down the steps of the small apartment to the grocery store below. He slid open the door to the back of the candy case. Here, Bert, take one, he said, as if the sweetness could purge the bitter aftertaste of Bubba's outburst. I shook my head, then relented, selecting a cherry sourball. I was still rolling it around in my mouth and resisted the urge to bite into it as we drove home. Mom must have been doing the same thing with Bubba's words, rolling around in her mind, fighting the urge to complain to Dad. About the time I finally crunched the sour ball, Mom blurted out, Ike, why didn't you say something? Dad didn't answer. He only gripped the steering wheel a little tighter and drove a little faster. At last, Mom cried out, So is that what you think, too? I'm not good enough? I was nearly thrown off the back seat when Dad slammed on the brake pedal and swerved to stop on the shoulder of the road. How can you say that, Molly? He gasped, grabbing her hand. I know I had only a third-degree education when I come to this country. Mom sobbed, and I know I had to sew in a sweatshop to help support my family. I know you are your mother's favorite son, but does that make me not good enough, Ike? My father's face, usually so stern and soft, had softened. Are you enough, he asked quietly. Mom nodded, rummaging in her pocketbook for a tissue, and their eyes finally met. Dad kissed his fingertips and touched them softly to Mom's lips. I knew things were all right then, but I also knew how Dad felt, torn between the two women he loved most in the world, not wanting to hurt either one. The next time he went to Harrisburg, 
Mom insisted on waiting in the car while we visited with Bubba. I'm staying with Mom, I declared loyally. Go with your father, Bert, Mom ordered. All right, I said, giving in. I'm not speaking to Bubba. Bubba pretended to be disappointed that Mom wasn't with us, and when she smiled and spread a huge arms wide for me, my resolve evaporated. I melted, all the while feeling like a traitor. But but what five-year-old can resist a grandmother's hug? When Dad and my grandfather went downstairs to the store, I mustered up my courage and asked Bubba why she didn't love Mom. She refused to answer. But you love me, don't you? I persisted. She pulled me into her lap. Sure I do, she said fiercely. Well, if you love me, why can't you be nice to my mom? Bubba shrugged. It's different, she said. You're too young to understand. Just then, Dad came upstairs and said it was time to leave. Not long after, Bubba took ill with a severe case of the flu. Stubborn as always, she refused to go to the hospital or stay with any of her children nearby. My grandfather had his hands full working 12-hour days to the store. So my dad offered to bring Bubba to recuperate with us in the home of her favorite son. To my surprise, Mom agreed. My stomach nodded at the prospect of the two of them under one roof. The next day, my father followed Bubba into the house, carrying a battered-down valise and a large paper bag. He put the bag on the kitchen table. What's this, Mom asked. I brought my own food, said Bubba, punctuated that statement with a series of hacking coughs. Mom emptied the bags of contents, a large jar of pickles, another of sauerkraut, six cans of store-bought chicken soup. This isn't food for a sick person, Mom said, glancing dismissively at Bubba. The tension between them made my knees weak, Lord. I prayed desperately. Please help them get along this once. Just please. I'll turn the page here. I'll get Bubble settled in the guest room. Dad interjected quickly, taking my grandmother by the arm. She's not eating this food, Ike, Mom called after them. I will, too, coughed Bubba. I will not want her dying at my house. I wouldn't dream of it, Molly. Both of you, that's enough, Dad shouted, pulling Bubba up the stairs. Then he returned to, took Mom aside. You've got to try to show Mom respect. She's in this house. Hoarsely, then he stomped off to work, red faced and silent, muttering a prayer. Mom swept aside Bubba's groceries and went to work herself, chopping and slicing, preparing a big pot of her homemade chicken soup. While the glorious concoction bubbled and simmered by the stove, Mom baked a fresh loaf of challah, the sweet braided bread she usually made for the Sabbath. When it was all done, she fixed a tray with her best china and carried it up to Bubba. There was almost defiant about something defiant about her climb up the stairs. I tiptoed behind and watched Mama silently hand Bubba the tray. For this long, nerve-wracking pause before Bubba croaked, for me, Mom didn't answer. Instead, she briskly smoothed the covers on Bob Bubba's bed and left. Downstairs, I asked Mom why she had gone through so much trouble for Bubba. I thought the shalom was soup was just for Fridays. I mean, Bubba wasn't even nice to you. That doesn't matter, Bert, she said. She's still your father's mother, and she's still my guest, and that's how we'll treat her. Apparently, this is what God wants. Later, I went up to get Bubba's dishes. Isn't Mom's chicken soup the best, I asked her? She hemmed and hawed and shook in the bed. It's not half bad, she finally said. This the words would torture her to get out. Mom, I said, I had her tray downstairs. Bubba likes fidget chicken soup was the best. She did, Mom, said, failing to ask her surprise. This was a high praise coming from Bubba. And I thought Mom straightened a little bit with pride. 
Every day from then on, she made bubble soup and fresh cella and served it on her best dishes. It was good medicine, not just for Bubba's flu. Each time Mama took Bubba her tray, they lingered a little while, a little longer. And then by the afternoon, I listened outside the door. I heard Bubba say, Molly, I've had six daughters, and not one of them makes soup to match yours. Go on, Bubba, Mama said modestly. Can you get me? You, can you, I get you some more? And I peek into the room just in time to see Bubba raise herself from the bed and give Mom a, lo- a good long hug. I knew how that felt. And Mom was blushing when she came out and scooted me away. But later she took me on the shoulder and said, Bert, if I grumble about being the girl you married, just tell her to keep trying to love me anyway and God will do the rest. I think Bubba stayed a few days extra just because she was having a good time. Seeing my wife and mother get along at last lifted a huge burden from my father, and I was a good and I was glad God had heard my prayer and helped bring Mom and Bubba together. If we treat one another with respect and love, even if it's difficult, He'll look after the rest. And that's what the two women I loved the most in the world taught me when I was five years old. What a beautiful, beautiful story! I want to thank you so much for listening this morning. And listening to our stories and listening to the Bible as we read and try to do the best we can every Sunday to just show up. And what they call in recovery, suit up and show up and just keep it going every Sunday. So I will see you next Sunday as we continue on with Second Corinthians. And we'll be going on to Chapter 7. Anyway, I just want to remind you that uh, I'll be here every week. We have a lot of lessons that we have learned, and we thank for the we are thankful for the help of our Heavenly Father every day as we live and grow, as He help, helps us after we stumble and fall. And may God bless you in every way. And let's say our closing prayer after a moment of silent meditation for those who out there are still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you are never alone. God loves you. I love you. And may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Be sure to message me if you have any concern or requests for prayers. Or want to discuss something or just encourage me. I appreciate it. So bye-bye, my friends. Happy trails to you. God bless you in every way, every way. May your illness be healed. May all your stresses and crises and stress and worry go away as you depend on God, your Heavenly Father, and be happy every day. Amen. Bye-bye. See you next week. Love you. Oh.